0: Hi, we're here from Curiosity.com to help you get smarter in just a few minutes. I'm Cody Goff.
1: And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you'll learn how to tell the difference between a rock and a fossil, why you might be able to travel through some black holes without dying, and how you can do a better job of advocating for yourself with some help from a returning guest, happiness expert Stella Grazant.
0: Let's satisfy some curiosity on the Happy Curiosity Daily. Have you ever picked up a rock and wondered whether it's a rock or a fossil? It's not always obvious to the naked eye, but fortunately, researchers have come up with a way to tell the difference with your tongue. Lick it. Lick it good. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Would you do this, Ashley, if you really wanted to know? Yes. Would you? Absolutely. <laughs> You're such I a am scientist. Not, I'm
1: not grossed out by this
0: stuff. <laughs> You're such a science person. <laughs> anyway, before you run to your backyard to become a stone sommelier, slow down for a minute because first you should check the paleontology database. That has an interactive map that can show you everywhere on Earth where dinosaur fossils have been found. This website will show you that real fossils will only show up in particular rock formations in certain areas around the world. So you might not want to get up close and personal with that rock in your backyard in Wisconsin. Anyway, I'm exaggerating a bit with how much tongue is involved. You don't have to all out French it. Just quickly jab the tip of your tongue at it, and if your tongue sticks ever so slightly to the fossil in question, then there's a good chance it could be fossil bone. If it doesn't, you just licked a dusty old rock, dude. This isn't just some weird, obscure way to tell if a rock is a fossil, by the way. For seasoned geologists, licking specimens is an average day on the job. According to The Earth Story, poking your tongue at a sample for taste and consistency can also give you specific valuable information, like particular types of minerals. The reason your tongue might stick to a fossil and not a regular rock is because of the porous nature of bone. When a dinosaur's organic material breaks down, like its guts and muscles and fat, the inorganic stuff will stick around longer. These parts of the bone were made of minerals like calcium, which leaves a fragile, porous mineral in the shape of the internal bone structure. Oh, and after licking your fossil, the next step is to seek out a cold glass of water. Unless you've been craving fossilized bone for dinner. I bet Velociraptor meat's delicious. (laughs) I bet it is. I don't know why I think that.
1: (laughs) Using a black hole to travel to another dimension or time or universe is a pretty popular idea in science fiction. That science fiction may be more like science fact, according to new research. You might already know that black holes happen when an entire star gets compressed down to a single point and creates an object with infinite gravity. As reported by The Conversation, researchers have thought for a while that a black hole would kill you if you tried to enter it. Stuff like getting incinerated by a firewall, zapped by a plasma jet, or being spaghettified by gravity. But a team of researchers have recently shown that not all black holes are created equal. They say that if the black hole is large and rotating, then the singularity would be very gentle and could actually allow for a peaceful passage. Sagittarius A star is the black hole at the center of our galaxy, and that would be one example. The reason for this is because the singularity inside a rotating black hole is relatively weak, so it wouldn't damage an object that interacts with it. It's kind of like how you could pass your finger through a 2,000 degree flame on a candle, but not get burned. The researchers put together a computer model to calculate most of the essential physics on a large object like a spacecraft falling into a large rotating black hole like Sagittarius A star. The result was that the object would not experience infinitely large effects when it passes through the hole's so-called inner horizon singularity. That's the singularity that you just can't avoid. And under the right circumstances, the simulation showed that the effects may be really small or even non-existent which would allow for a pretty comfortable passage through the singularity. Now, this model does assume the black hole in question is completely isolated, so it wouldn't be subject to constant disturbances from, say, a nearby star or other falling radiation. Most black holes are surrounded by dust and gas and radiation and other cosmic material. But it's one step closer to figuring out a way to make the Christopher Nolan movie Interstellar a little less far-fetched.
0: I really want to close this story with a quote from Interstellar, but do you know any?
1: I mean, I could just quote Matthew McConaughey.
0: All right, all right, all right. (laughs) Speaking of spinning black holes, today's episode is sponsored by Mova Globes, spelled M-O-V-A. They're globes that rotate by themselves.
1: Mova Globes rotate using a technology that's the first of its kind. There are no batteries or cords. They're just rotating globes powered by ambient light.
0: If you love outer space as much as we do, then you can get a globe of the moon or Jupiter or another celestial body from their space collection. They used images from NASA and other really accurate sources to make globes that'll make you feel like you're passing right by on your way to the nearest black hole.
1: Every day when I come into work, I see the planet Mars on my desk. And I'm not looking at the same thing every day because, oh yeah, did I forget to mention? The globe rotates
0: by itself. And they can be artsy, too. Their famous artwork globes include pieces from Van Gogh and Monet. That includes Starry Night, by the way. Perfect for art and space lovers.
1: And we have an exciting offer for Curiosity Daily listeners. You can get 15% off your purchase. Please visit movaglobes.com slash curiosity and use coupon code curiosity. That's C-U-R-I-O-S-I-T-Y for 15% off your purchase. Again, to get 15% off your purchase, visit MovaGlobes.com slash curiosity and use coupon code curiosity.
0: Have you ever noticed that sometimes it's hard to speak up for yourself? Someone else who's noticed this is Stella Grisant. She's an applied positive psychologist and executive coach, and she has worked with clients who have a hard time asking for what they want. So how can you get better about speaking up for yourself? You've heard her on the Curiosity Podcast before, but we spoke with Stella again this month to ask that. How can we get better at advocating for ourselves?
2: Adam Galinsky, who's a professor at Columbia Business School and has done a lot of research on this topic, talks about how each of us has an acceptable range of behavior, meaning we have this range where it's acceptable for us to speak up and also not speak up because sometimes... We don't have to always speak up. And what he found is that the wider your range, the more safe you are to speak up. The range is very dynamic. So it's always changing. And the number one thing that influences your range to speak up and be successful at it is your power. And so we can look at power from a few ways. One, power, you know, usually means you just have more options. So, for example, if you're the boss, you know, you have more power, you have more options. Your job isn't going anywhere if um, your employee asks you, you know, for something that's potentially risky. So the more options you have, the more of a safety net you have, the more power you have. But there's also power from a self perception perspective. It's how powerful you deem yourself in your own eyes. The number one thing that's going to influence your power in that conversation is not what you say, but how you say it. It's your energy. It's what is the energy that I am transmitting. And the way to show up most powerfully in your own eyes, which transmits to how other people see you as well, because emotion is contagious. So if I'm going into that meeting feeling angry, like I've been taken advantage of, or feeling victimized like I've been taken advantage of, or feeling resentful, or whatever it is, that emotion gets transmitted. And there's lots of fun research on how emotion is contagious. So for me to feel more powerful in my own eyes, I have to transform my victim mentality, my anger, my resentment into a place of power, into a place of calm peacefulness, into a place of like, I know I have control over my experience, maybe not all my circumstances, but over my experience. So one of the ways I help people increase power in their own eyes is to help them get clear on how they want to be and show up and to start being that. It's very important for you to start acting like the person you want to be because when you're acting like that person, you're no longer a victim. You're no longer angry. You are your most powerful self. I like to create space in between the moment where, you know, you want to make that ask or have that conversation so that you can get into a neutral or at least a powerful state. Because if you're angry, you're resentful or whatever, and you start that conversation from that perspective, that is not your most strong stance.
0: Stella also mentioned a free tool you can download from her website called The Vision Generator. She's updated it since the last time she was on our podcast, and it's a document that'll help you ask the right questions to figure out what kind of person you want to be, which has been a theme in a lot of our conversations. You can find that on her site, WorkHappinessMethod.com, and we'll also put a link to that in today's show notes.
1: Read about today's stories and more on
0: Curiosity.com. Join us again tomorrow for the award-winning Curiosity Daily, and learn something new in just a few minutes. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Stay curious. Stay curious